Pastor Xavier Reese and the call of fishermen to become fishers of men. Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw the two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting the net into the sea, for they were fishermen. This is the call. Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, whatever in your profession, Jesus speaks to you in your profession, whatever it may be. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Jesus didn't call professionally trained rabbis to be His disciples. He called artisans and encouraged them that the skills they already had were serviceable in the kingdom. Now, if God called shepherds like Moses and David to shepherd His people, Jesus could call fishermen to be gatherers of people. Some great men and women of God in the Bible never even became public expositors of Scripture. Aside from his prophetic gifts, Joseph's witness involved especially public administration, learned in Potiphar's house and a prison, and then applied to all Egypt. Pastor Xavier continues a Simple Truths character study of the Apostle Andrew and the sovereignty of God in his call to service despite our diversity. The call of Andrew. Further... There was a first call to Andrew's life, his coming to Jesus. We find this in the Gospel of John in chapter 1, verse 35 through 42. In verse 35, John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples. Andrew had already made a commitment to the repentance of John's preaching, as we have seen. A disciple is a learner. He must first become a learner. A disciple before he can come, an apostle, one sent out. Keep that in mind. Now notice verse 36. John sees Jesus walking and says, Behold the Lamb of God. Can you imagine the impression of these two men, Andrew and John? They had got to see, to hear, and to walk in the very place that all the prophets desired to be. Again, the two disciples that heard John follow Jesus. Verse 37 and 38. And seeing them, he asked, What do you seek? And they said, Where are you staying? Notice verse 39. Jesus told them to come and to see. And they remained with him that day. It was about the tenth hour. The time was about four o'clock in the afternoon. They spent the rest of the day with him. Can you imagine what a day that was, the first day? <laughs> Notice verse 40. One of the two is identified, as I said, Andrew. Simon Peter's brother, and the other is not, but we know it's John. We'll see that later on. Verse 41 and 2, notice the first thing that Andrew does is to find his brother Peter declaring to him that they had found the Messiah or the Christ and brought him to Jesus. Here's one of the key chief characteristics of Andrew. He loves to bring people to Jesus. Now, since John goes out of his way to indicate the sequential order of the events by days, we can be sure that Andrew was most likely with Jesus in the following places and events that follow this chapter. Let me just give you some of these. In chapter 2, verse 2, Andrew was probably present at the wedding feast at Canaan. In chapter 2, verse 12, Andrew was at Capernaum. Chapter 2, verse 13, Andrew was at the Passover in Jerusalem. Chapter 3, 22, and 4, 2, Andrew was at the baptism in Judea. 
and possibly was one of the ones baptizing. Chapter 4, verse 5, Andrew was in Samaria when Jesus spoke to the woman at the well. That must have blown his mind. Andrew is always in the background, not the center of attention. He just kicks back. Secondly, there was a second call to Andrew's life, the call to his apprenticeship or internship. And it's in various places, Matthew, Mark, in Mark 4:12 and then Mark 1:14 John the Baptist had been cast into prison by Herod when this took place Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God with the very same message repent for the kingdom of heaven's at hand Matthew 4:18 in Mark 1.16, Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw the two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. This is the call to apprenticeship, to internship. Jesus said to them in Matthew 4.19, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, if you are... Whatever in your profession, Jesus speaks to you in your profession. Because they were fishermen of uh, fish. He says, I'll make you fishers of men to catch them. Whatever you do, God wants to make you that for the kingdom of God. If you're an investor, he wants to make you an investor for the kingdom of God. Spiritually speaking, your time, your words, what you do. Whatever it may be. It says they immediately left their nets and followed him. Matthew 4.20 and Mark 1.18. Again, Andrew was to be a disciple, a learner of Jesus, first of all. Before he could be an apostle. The third call was to Andrew's life when he was called to be one of the twelve apostles. And again, I've given you those references. Matthew 10.2, Mark 3.18, Luke 6.14, and Acts 1.13. Now, this was their first sending out. Their final would come after the resurrection. The context in Matthew, and we'll take him right now, Matthew 9. The context in Matthew's gospel is after the declaration by Jesus that the harvest is truly plentiful. But the labors are few, and that they were to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. Matthew 9, 37 and 38. That's the context. Jesus told them, as he continues in chapter 10, after he chooses the twelve, after an entire night in prayer, as Luke tells us, not to go to the Gentiles in verse 6 of chapter 10, but rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, preaching that the kingdom of heaven was at hand, verse 6 through 8. He sends them out, officially, as apostles, having learned. Now, the apostle Andrew was the only one who made an attempt, if you remember, to do his part in the feeding of the 5,000 as he brought five barley loaves and two fishes in John 6, 8 through 9. He's the one that's mentioned about the feeding of the 5,000. He's a man in the backdrop, but he's there when you need him. He's practical. Andrew was the one 
to whom Philip turned when the Greeks came to worship at the feast at Jerusalem. And they approached him and said, we, we want to see Jesus in John 12, 20, and 22. And what did Philip do? He took him to Andrew. <laughs> Remember, Andrew's in the first inner circle. And he's one who loves to bring people to Jesus. Takes him to Andrew. Andrew was one who was always bringing people to the Lord, as we have seen over and over again here. Andrew was also one of the four apostles and disciples on the Mount of Olives who asked the Lord about the end times. In Mark 13, 3 and 4, he says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the signs of all these things that will be fulfilled? As we pointed out earlier, this is one of the times his name is mentioned in the inner circle of the three. The other one being Acts 1.13. Andrew was with the disciples after the Lord's ascension. That's the second time, Acts 1.13. He's mentioned there with the inner circle. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew. Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. Andrew, according to tradition, preached in Scythia, in Greece, in Asia Minor, in Thrace, and to have been crucified at Petra in Achaia because of his rebuke of Aegeus for obstinate Adherence to idolatry. He was nailed to a cross in the form of an X. That's why it's called the St. Andrew's cross. Rather than a T, an X. He was ever faithful as a messenger of the gospel. And reportedly, he preached for the duration of the two days that he endured until death. Just a kickback kind of guy. Napoleon was enamored of the sweet smell of success. So much so that he used 54 bottles of cologne a month and carried them with him to his battlefields. One would think that on a windy day the odor would have alerted the enemy of his presence. Such as often the case with some people as they serve. It can be picked up in the air that they're present. That's not the way to serve the Lord. There is an initial introduction for all of us to Jesus at our new birth, but it's only the first step. A person hears the gospel, faith is imparted by God, and God does the work, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. A person takes that step to repent in a godly way. And God forgives the sins. And God imparts a new heart. He gives them his spirit, 2 Corinthians 7, 8 and 9. Godly repentance. 
A person understands that their sins are forgiven and they're new creatures from that point on. 2 Corinthians 5.17 A person then understands that they are to learn and to nourish their faith and to be rooted and grounded in the Word of God as Ephesians 4.11-16 says. You see, the new birth is just the beginning. Even as a child is born and you bring him home from the hospital, it's only the beginning. The better days are still ahead. <laughs> there is the next step as God calls a person to be involved in ministry service. Their apprenticeship, their internship, if you will. God is the one who calls. He puts individuals in the ministry and enables them just as he did when Jesus called the twelve. Paul tells us that in 1 Timothy 1.7. God is the one who appoints preachers and teachers in ministry. Paul says he was appointed, 1 Timothy 2.7. God distributes the necessary gifts as he sovereignly sees fit, 1 Corinthians 12.18. We don't choose them. But there is the affirmation of one's ministry also as one is used and going out to others, being approved and tested through time. A person goes from a helper in ministry to a leader within the ministry. A person goes from serving in the church body to ministering to other church bodies. A person is recognized by the Christian body as a man or woman who is anointed and called of God. A person is seen as such through the passing of time. The quality of their fruit both in their personal lives and the ministry in the lives of others. And we have seen this over and over and over again through the years in this ministry. People come, they get saved. They're on fire for God, and they begin to grow. They make themselves available, and they're just learning. And they catch the vision. Then they're helpers. And then they're leaders. And then they're over a ministry. And then God is using them in other churches, too. It's great. This was the call of Andrew. He just kept prodding on, kept advancing, doing what God had called him to do. Let's finish thoroughly here with the qualities of Andrew, having looked at him through all these passages. First, Andrew was a man of faith, a person who was a leader in spiritual decision-making. He had chosen to believe the message of John the Baptist as he went to Bethabara, beyond the Jordan in John 1.28. He made a stand on his own alone. He wasn't depending on others. He saw himself as the extension of his master as he just reached out to others. He did not need others to walk with God with him. He desired it, but that wasn't a requirement for him to walk. Too often people come to church just because the other person comes. 
Or they say they're Christians just because it's convenient. We have to be careful. Secondly, Andrew had a passion for sinners, as we've noted, and brought others to Jesus. Peter, his brother, first. The lad with the loaves. And certain Greeks. Thirdly, Andrew had humility. He did not mind being second to his brother Peter. Even though his brother had been brought to Jesus by him, he didn't mind being second man. There could have been competitive rivalry. There could have been envy and jealousy. He was not in the Lord's inner circle, Peter, James, and John. It didn't bother him. He could rest in his call and privilege. He could be content. We get so sensitive sometimes. Andrew was very secure and a stable individual. Very secure and a stable individual. He did not need to be first or mind being second, as we have stated. Do you know what an incredible benefit that is? That you can just go on and you thank God for whatever God is doing in somebody's life and you thank God for everybody else, but they don't make your world go around. You know what I mean? You know what God has called you to do. That is the greatest thing that we can ever come to as believers. And God can do that work. He walked in humility, accepting his place, being protected by the ugliness of pride. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. Not that he was not prone to it or have weakness in another area, but it seems to be that he was a man who brought his thoughts into captivity, that he could identify flesh and spirit and say no to flesh and walk in the spirit. He could rest in his service and not be anxious. He could enjoy the gifts of others and help in directing some and never feel threatened. It has been said that if Peter is the father of the Pentecostal converts at Pentecost, then Andrew is the spiritual grandfather for he brought his brother Peter to Jesus. We think of Billy Graham, but who brought Billy Graham to the Lord? We think of Chuck Smith, who brought Chuck Smith to the Lord? David Livingston, David Livingston, Spurgeon. You ever hear their names? Andrews. On one of the new Hebrides in the South Pacific is the lonely grave of a Presbyterian missionary, the Reverend John Getty. I don't think you've ever heard of him. A marble slab bears the following inscription. When he came here, there were no Christians. When he went away, there was no heathens. That's pretty good. That's real good. Are you a person of faith, living up to the measure of faith that God has given to you? Romans 12, 3. Accordingly. Or are you playing it safe all the time? 
That's not faith, it's foolishness. Are you stepping out when God is not leading? That is also foolishness. Or are you walking in wisdom, stepping out when God is speaking? One step at a time, and he meets you there. Do you have passion for the loss? Or are you just indifferent to the loss? If you have passion, then you're wise, Proverbs 11.30 says. He who wins souls is wise. Do you share with others about Christ when the Lord leads? Or there's an opportunity? And I don't know how to distinguish one from the other at times. But sometimes I know the Lord's telling me to share. Other times there's just opportunities. Do you go out of your way to share? Or do you go out of your way to not share? Somebody says, um, what's that WWJ and so on? And you go, oh, it's nothing. <laughs> we were in an elevator. When I was back in Kansas, we were in an elevator. And me and Trudy and the pastor, Rick Jardine, and his wife were going up to our room. And this lady walked in, and she had this shirt. You know, what would Jesus do? The thing. And so Rick walks in and says, all right, I'll bite. What does it mean? She goes, I don't know. And the door opened up and she walked right out. And they closed. And we just started laughing because here was a great opportunity. We're all Christians, but she doesn't know that. <laughs> Do you know how to share Christ with others? Can you lead them to Christ? Do you have to be number one or be noticed like the Pharisees? Or can you be what God has called you to be? Identify your gifts. Or gift, first of all. Second, cultivate and develop that gift by serving. Thirdly, let your service be as unto the Lord, not to man. Faithfully and without complaining or robbing God of glory. If you do, then you'll please the Lord all the days of your life. Do you live a stable life of growth or is it erratic? Tossed to and fro. Then it's probably due because you're not being grounded in the word. You may hear sermons. But you're not studying the word of God. You're not asking God to help you live it out and show you those areas and to deny yourself. You're just interested in information. If you are erratic, then stop blaming others and take responsibility for your failure regarding your spiritual underdevelopment and immaturity. That's the first step. Take time to seek and wait upon God through His Word and prayer so He can speak to you and direct you. And take the initiative to be committed and not a quitter every time things don't go your way. You'll be an Andrew. These are some of the qualities of Andrew. Now, you may not be an Andrew, so don't try to be an Andrew. But if you're an Andrew, then be an Andrew, man. You know what I mean? You've got to fit in there somewhere. Andrew has yielded valuable treasures for our service to Christ from these three vantage points. As we have looked at him as the man Andrew, the call of Andrew, and the qualities of Andrew.
Maybe when you come across his name next time in the gospel, you'll look at him a little different. God will speak to you. Pastor Xavier Reese, drawing some vital, simple truths as they apply to all the saints in service to the kingdom of God. Now, just before we close, let me mention that copies of today's Simple Truths character study, titled Andrew, are available on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is simply Andrew, or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 